In the 10 o'clock hour, open home hour, open to you, the Arizona homeowner, whatever you want to talk about your home, castle, or cabin. You can join the broadcast by dialing one 767 That's one 888 you. Or you can text questions to 411-923. Now, that text is during the broadcast only. Uh, we don't monitor that anytime we're not doing the broadcast, but that phone number we do answer during the week as well. So you can save that one for any time calls or text during the broadcast 411923. First broadcast of 2024, and everybody that is on the list for a, our annual publication of our Rosie on the House Homeowner Handbook, Calendar, and Contractor Referral Directory has received their copy. I got mine. Got mine in, about a week ago. Yeah, uh, I think even before our last broadcast of 2023, I think it hit my 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 post office. We've received lots of thank yous, including some voicemails, just about how happy people are to have them. So, if you haven't, if you ha- were on the list and you haven't seen it, you know, just give us a call at the office or e- email us at info at rosieonthehouse We also have a few copies left if you didn't make the list, and we'll be happy to send you one. Yeah, we do have – it's posted digitally on our website under the Homeowner Resource uh, Toolbar. It's the Homeowner Handbook, and then you can click each icon by month and get a preview of uh, – we always have our state, you know, starting at the top. It is in calendar form, but it's a lot more than that. It lets you know what staycation we're drawing for that month. Like right now, uh, if you enter to win by January 15th, we'll be drawing for Benson, Arizona. And our Arizona staycation, something we do with Sanderson Ford, they give you a vehicle for the weekend, and you get to go to this Arizona destination. We coordinate room and lodging for you. You have a gift card for gas and whatever kind of entertainment or sightseeing you want to do while you're on there. As you move down the calendar, each month we have a featured partner. This month, uh, it's Rosie Wright Design Build Remodel in one of their kitchens that they remodeled last year. You can... They also, uh, for those of you that joined us, uh, was that end of August? We did a live broadcast at the their brand new design studio that they opened up on Shea Road, just west of Scottsdale Road. You know where you turn in at the YMCA. They're just across the on the other side of the street from there. <clears throat> so it's an opportunity to showcase some of our partners' work. Are you and then you have uh, on the right hand side. The things that we have lined up for the outdoor living hour to cover, uh, along with our weekly to-do that we cover in the 10 o'clock hour. And then you scroll down and it's got your regular calendar that you can put there and different calls to action from our partners. So that has been sent. And like Jennifer said, that we do, we do keep a couple extra copies as well for people that call in and ask. But we have found... Uh, it's better just to get rid of all the physical copies so you don't have any at the end of the year. So we're holding on to less. And we'll email you the link for the digital copy once we run out, But and then you'll be on the list, the mailing list for next year uh, after we run out. Uh, have you gotten rid of your Christmas tree yet? Oh, yes. Well, you know what? I'll tell you this. It's out of the house, but it's still in the yard. <laughs> <laughs> and the... Uh, City of Phoenix, they have uh, 16 different drop-off locations 
phoenix.gov slash public works slash recycling. We'll put a link in today's uh, broadcast podcast page for quick reference, but 16 different drop-off locations that are open through tomorrow, through January 7th, that all over. They've got six locations in South Phoenix, five in Central Phoenix, another six in North Phoenix, uh, if you need a place to take it. What's that website? Phoenix.gov. Pretty simple. Yeah. Well, and, and you got to dive in a little bit, but like I said, we'll put the direct link there uh, just to, you know, and, and they, they chip it, compost it, so it's not like it's going to a landfill. It gets repurposed into some kind of graining or mulching. Now, we've had a number of calls this morning so far from homeowners that have woken up and they're looking for an air conditioning uh, heating specialist because they think or thought their equipment wasn't working. Well, that's probably not the case. And by now, you've probably noticed that your house did start to warm back up. And we actually have one of our specialists with us to help explain this heat pump phenomenon that happens maybe three or four times a year uh, in Phoenix and Tucson markets. Uh, sometimes, you know, might happen 10 or 12 times a year. Chris and Knight from Night Air Conditioning, welcome to the program. Hey, Carissa. Okay. Well, we'll try – we'll come back to that and again because yeah. I actually had some other uh, interesting HVAC hey, Chris. Uh, content to cover that came out of the Industries Contractors magazine talking about oversizing and overcharging as a problem across the entire nation, not just something that we see here uh, in – in Arizona, because it's—I mean, every time we have a one of our partners on, we talk about this issue, and then to see it covered in a national magazine with quotes from contractors from Atlanta to Ohio to Washington State—it's like, oh, this is definitely a much bigger problem, and it's a fairly easy fix uh, when you're doing it right. So, but uh, speaking of cold, you—we've got. Open Snow, are you familiar with that? Open Snow. Open Snow. It's an app that you can uh, download. Some parts of it are free, but then there's a subscription to unlock all the features. But it it's really for ski bombs. <laughs> I'm sure your dad knows about it. You, then. <laughs> it, it helps you find and track, you know, where where the snow's falling, so you can go get the freshest powder. Yeah. But uh and uh, previously they had it where you could say five locations for quick referencing so your five favorite ski mountains well they've expanded that to 15 now but they're projecting <laughs> snowball to get 16 inches of snow this coming week yeah. so that'll be a, a nice not only for the ski in, in arizona but also the the melt off and the filling up our reservoirs that's the real deal there yeah hey i think chris is back on Try her again. Yes, good morning. Hey, good morning, Carissa. So first thing this morning, I got a, an email, help, my heat's out. And I thought, you know, that reminds me of something we just talked about. And I think that's a heat pump issue. So we thought we'd reach out and let you explain that to everybody. Yes, I'm so glad you did. This is something that we educate our clients on every year. Like Romy said, in the two or three days, maybe five or seven days that this happens, uh, where your heat pump, pump will blow cold. Um, and it may do this cycle several times, and we tend to get this really early in the morning when most of us aren't awake yet. So a lot of times you don't even notice that it's doing it, um, but it's defrosting. So it'll go through a cycle. It'll make kind of a weird noise, which I will spare you all and not make for you right now. 
<laughs> Shoot. But yes, it'll blow cold. Have tiny and cold. have tiny give the impression. <laughs> oh my gosh, it would be better if she did it. Uh, yeah, so maybe about 10 minutes it'll blow cold, and then it should immediately kick back into that hot cycle where nice toasty air is coming out. Um, we see this when it's below 55 degrees. Now, can I ask you a question? So this this homeowner reached back out. I said, hey, um, Chuck Knight's going to give you a call and figure this out, and I'm sure it's a heat I would imagine it's a heat pump issue. I don't know, but you guys do. But she said, should I keep the heat set at night to maybe 72 instead of 68? So in other words, is there something a homeowner can do to help alleviate that, or is it just the way it is? It's just the way it is. Not at all. Be comfortable. Have your heat set wherever you feel comfortable. It'll cycle when it needs to. You know, lowering it down, raising it up doesn't really affect that cycle very much. So nothing to worry about. And now, at what point do they, you know, th- this is usually a, a very short time. If it's still doing this, you know, when the sun's out past noon and now are we starting to think, okay, something else might be wrong and we need to look at scheduling a technician? Absolutely. I'm glad you said that because generally my guideline when someone calls in is I say, don't touch it, don't turn it off because you'll interrupt that cycle and it'll just do it again when you turn it on. I'm looking at about 30 minutes. If we've got 30 minutes with blowing cold, we're well past the time that it should have kicked back into that regular heating cycle. And that's something we want to check out. So don't interrupt it. Let it go through its thing. But, you know, if you're, if you're again, 20, 30 minutes and it keeps on dropping the temperature in your house more and more and more after that time, then, yes, give us a call. Let us walk through a couple of things with you, and then we'll get out and, and check it out if we need to. And something else uh, that I actually had planned on talking about today, Chris, and I'm going to bring it up while we've got you on, is the – Air Conditioning, Heating, Refrigeration News Magazine for HVAC contractors. They've been publishing, I'm sure you know, since you know 1926. The cover of their December issue talked about how big of an issue oversizing a unit is and overcharging the refrigerant. And going through the article, they had contractors all across America just talking about how big of an issue it is in their market. I thought, you know, it's funny. We talk about that constantly uh, with our HVAC partners, and I always kind of just thought it was a local issue, but it's obviously a uh, a national issue. Yes, and there are guidelines in place. And as you know, all of your HVAC contractors follow these guidelines. So what we do is we perform a manual J load calculation. So this actually consists of us coming out and, and uh, or not necessarily coming out, but measuring the house. We measure a lot of different things in the house. It's not just the square footage, and that's a common misconception. So we measure the windows, the insulation, um, the, the, whether the house faces north or east or west. We do all those things in order to determine how much load, heat load, is on the house. Now, here, of course, in the southwest, our heat load is very intense. So we calculate that down to an industry standard, and that's how we size machinery. Uh, interestingly, the rebates that you get from the utility companies are actually based on that load calculation. So they're interested in this too. After we calculate that and we size your equipment, we have some other options. And one of the most fantastic options we have is a variable speed air conditioner. Don't get my dad started on that. We're in love with these things (laughs) because it allows us to max out our capacity in these really, really hot days. 
but the rest of the time we can draw that capacity way down and it gives us energy efficiency that we're just in love with. And part of the issue of why this is so predominant is a lot of times, you know, air conditioning companies that are designed for high volume blow and go, they just come out to the house, put on whatever was previously there. Uh, if you had a four ton unit there, they're just going to, Hey, you have a four ton. That's what we're going to slap on and go. And, 30 years ago, you could do that because our insulation and our sear rating isn't what it was today. And you could do that old fashioned, what was it, one ton per three or four or 500 square feet? I can't even remember. It was, I think it was 400. And then you add, you'd go, you'd bring it up one if it had vaulted ceilings. But our efficiency in our equipment and our insulation in our home has advanced so much. That you have to do these proper sizing because if you end up with an oversized equipment, uh, it's going to start short cycling where it kicks on, blows a lot of cold air, trips the thermostat, shuts it off. Well, you didn't really cool down the house. You cooled down the air uh, you know, enough to hit the thermostat to shut it off, but the overall ambient temperature in your home hasn't changed. So then it kicks on again, then it kicks off, then it kicks on, then it kicks off. That starting process starts racking up your energy because most of the electricity used from your HVAC equipment comes from the from when it turns on, not from when it's actually running. So it runs up your air conditioning and it runs down the life of your air conditioning equipment. So it's technology advancing and the industry needs to advance with it. Welcome back to Rosie on the House. Just wanted to give a shout out and thank you to Carissa Knight of Knight Air Conditioning. Uh, we have a lot of homeowners this morning feeling a little chilly, and she helped us to understand why. And if you need help, she talked about the fact if you have that cool air coming in when your heater comes on and it's still cool, coming in cool after about 30 minutes, you need a service. And her, their number is 602 440 That's Knight Air Conditioning. And they're out in the North Phoenix and Desert Hills area, and the way our contractor referral directory is designed is it's to connect contractors in your neighborhood to you. So you go to rosieonthehouse.com on, on the tab certified partners, hit find a contractor, need help with, select your category, enter your zip code, and it's all geolocated. And when it comes to service industries like that, you know, air conditioning, electrical, plumbing, you know, having somebody in your neighborhood is beneficial re- yeah i mean <laughs> if you've got a dispatch for an emergency do you want somebody coming from two miles away or somebody coming from 50 miles away and it uh so for the phoenix casa grand and tucson markets you need something you can uh, always find it there at rosieonthehouse.com and everyone's gone through the same screening process and uh, it adheres to the same code of ethics and Complaint resolution policy, should we have one? A couple texts. Uh, homeowner said they got their homeowner handbook calendar yesterday. That oh, wow. surprises me. So maybe some uh, post offices are slower than the others yeah, throughout so. the, yeah. uh, around the, the different areas of the state. So, But glad you did receive it. And then uh, somebody is getting a new floor and is also uh, painting their baseboards as well, and wants to know which one to do first. And I would tell you, do your tile first. You do see people making shortcuts where they'll put tile down up to the baseboard. 
So now your baseboard where uh, is you know, in, in yeah, a lot of times vacant under there. Yeah, yeah. well, it, it's now covered by tile, so you might lose. Oh, got it. You yeah. know, the, the tiles might be thicker than the different product that was there earlier, especially like you had old linoleum flooring or carpeting. So you to do it perfectly right, I would actually take the baseboard all the way off, then tile, and then put the baseboard back on so the baseboard's on top of the tile. And at that point, you know, I know what you're thinking. Why would I paint and risk getting paint on my new tile? Why wouldn't I do the baseboard first? But you're going to – the color of paint I think is going to be drastically changed. And when you do that uh, with putting the baseboard back down, you know, that wood's not going to you – know, it, it's going to be real easy to do masking and protecting and even sliding that paper masking un, in between that thin line. There will be a lot of areas you can just slide it underneath in between the tile and the baseboard to apply your new – uh, you know, paint color, but I would do, I would do the tile first. I would take the baseboard off, set the tile, put the baseboard back on, then do your prep work and apply it with whatever new color you have. So Lots of masking in between. Yes. <laughs> text, the text number is 411923. So thanks for sending those in. And again, if you'd like to join the conversation and talk, you can, uh, the number is one 4348 That's one rosie you. Every year, U-Haul comes out with their growth state index, and it's determined by the number of rental vehicles that they have that are one-way issued. So, you know, people, the most one-way U-Haul rentals that they had, you know, the final destination was Texas, one, Florida, two. (coughs) Then the Carolinas were three and four. And, you know, I don't think it's any big secret, the obvious exit state is California, that people are getting out of and I thought I wonder you know we get a lot of that to Arizona but what about these other ones you know that they're going so much farther for and I think a big part of it both Texas and Florida have a lot more metropolitan areas so there's a lot more options for people especially if they're trying to stay in the same industry uh, but all of those have coastlines as well ah. no, I, I don't know that they're you know they're they're, they're no bypassing their, property here you know, the, <laughs> So we Arizona uh, came in eighth this year, down one from seventh last year as a growth destination. beautiful and probably coolest Arizona Saturday morning that we'll broadcast on uh, this year. Welcome to Rosie on the House. Andrew's called in, has an interesting question. Let's see how we can help. one 767 4348 That's 1-888-ROSIE for you. Good morning, Andrew. Good morning, sirs. Go ahead. Good morning. Um, so I have a relative and I'm trying to teach him to do the numbers and he, he knows construction from roofing to replacing an entire house. And he's moving back to Ohio for a $40 an hour job saying that he doesn't want to move 
but there's no jobs here, and I don't think he's hungry enough, and I'm trying to figure <laughs> out, are, are there jobs here that will pay at least $40 or more for him? Well, obviously not knowing him personally uh, and, and his skill level and set, uh, but, I mean, if if, if, if he and, – and I will tell you this. A lot of our partners, they're not necessarily worried overall on the skill set. You know, skill is great. They just want somebody to show up and work hard. Yeah. Because someone to show up and work hard is teachable. And if you're willing to work and you're teachable, that's a lot more attractive in the construction industry uh, than somebody that comes with all this experience and expects this high payroll and, you know, and, and a cushy, you know, uh, project manager job. You know, if, if you're willing to work hard and show up, I, I don't know uh, any of our partners that, that wouldn't at least talk to you. And, and it sounded like he had multiple different skills. So I don't know if you're looking to go to a general contractor or if you're looking to contact, um, you know, a specific trade, you'd mentioned roofing. Uh, you know, we've got six great roofing partners in the Phoenix metro area. And you had mentioned uh, Ohio, something interesting. We had talked about that U-Haul growth states and Arizona. And this is just according to U-Haul's one-way moving vehicle rentals. You know, Arizona was eighth on that list for destination uh, behind Texas, Florida, the Carolinas, Tennessee, Idaho, and Washington. Ohio was down at 23. So it's not like it, you know, we should have a bigger moving destination and more people coming in here than Ohio. So, you know, that in itself itself by population, you know, migration patterns would tell me we've probably got a lot more opportunity here in Arizona than he does in uh, Ohio. Better weather, for sure. <laughs> a lot better weather. You know, and I, if you want to, send that his resume to info at rosieonthehouse.com, and we'll put it out on our partner newsletter. Great People idea. are always looking for, for skilled labor. We'll take a look at him and see if we can't find him. Can't beat a Rosie partner. Yeah. And he's looking for $40 an hour, you know. So, I, you know, that is an upper tier. Uh, and I'm not good on labor wages currently right now, so I, I would need to, want to talk to one of our partners, but... You know, that's that's not entry level, obviously. That's upper tier. So somebody could be looking for that though too. They absolutely could. You know, your your entry level I know is a lot more in demand right now. Um, but that that upper level, I mean that if there's not to say that we don't have people that are looking to scale up their existing staff either. So but it's interesting that you say that, Andrew, because I know two people that both had Sons, early 20s, just this year, moved to Iowa, which actually came in destination number 24 below Ohio. Uh, But both of them, and a big reason was uh, not necessarily that the pay was any higher, but they could actually afford cost of living Mm. where they weren't, you know, paycheck to paycheck just to cover rent on an apartment or a house that they could they could barely afford to keep you could you know people coming from california sell their house move to arizona buy something equal size or bigger and still have a couple hundred thousand left over they think they're getting a great deal uh and 
can drive the prices in the market. And uh, Canada, you know, we've got a lot of people coming out from Canada. We've got a lot of people buying up uh, homes for like vacation rentals. They're not even interested in living there. They're just trying to expand a, a revenue income through rental vacation housing. We have a lot of those uh, sales happening. So there's a lot of factors that are driving up the cost uh, where, you know, oh, it's in the Midwest, your cost of living is so much cheaper. And I will say, uh, I have not been, I, I've been to Ohio, I'm sorry, not Ohio, Iowa, three times. And each time for a, about a week. Uh, once was to visit friends in uh, Anita, Iowa, kind of on the western side of the state. Uh, once when we toured Pella uh, Factory in Pella, Iowa, and once in Des Moines for the National High, Junior High Rodeo Finals. And all of them were in the summer, so we didn't have to do a winter. But man, That's pretty charming. <laughs> that, 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 that is a very charming state. So I, and and if your cost of living is cheaper, and you know you're you're changing one extreme from the summer heats to another extreme on the colder winters, but man, that, that there's a lot to be desired in in Iowa. So good good luck, but and we'll see if we can't help uh, figure out your uh, you know getting that resume circulated. And um, one of the the biggest issues I think. Each industry has their own program. Like, uh, you know, you have advertisements that you see to come learn how to be a mechanic. And then you've got, you know, the carpenters union trying to recruit people there. You've got your electrical union, you know, and, and trade schools. So, but these trade schools are all competing for the same, you know, labor pool. pool. And what they should do is pool together and expand the broad awareness to everybody that, you know, you, the career in construction, in mechanics, in these industries, they're not what the colleges would like you to think. They're these low-paying, dirty jobs, and you're never going to go anywhere, and you're just going to be a ditch digger. Well, there's a lot of money to be made in the trades, and you can do it a lot more cheaper you're not coming out with these huge uh, loan overheads, uh, student loan issues. So, I mean, if they need to do a better job working together to educate young people about the opportunity that they have to counter what you know the school system is pounding into their head to feed their, you know, billion-dollar tuition budgets. Yeah, and the skill level needed to to do those um, jobs. Is, is really specific. You know, look at our son, William, he's, he's skilled in so many areas, and it's just it's a gift to people because a lot of people don't know how to do that. No, they don't. And there's, uh, and there's never going to be a shortage for that, uh, for that. And if you didn't, you know, your ultimate goal isn't necessarily something in construction or trades or mechanics, that's fine. You can... But you have that as a fallback skill, and you can use that to pay your way through college and help if you want to do, you know, something that requires, you know, a, a, an intense physical college degree. And it's a good you, way to fund that. You know, it, it could be a way to fund that so you come out and you're not 
starting at ground zero with no means of income and a, lot and, of debt. <laughs> and a huge overhead debt. So it, it's a great way. And then, it, like I said, it's always a fallback skill. We're always going to need people that know how to build, Absolutely. repair, Which is just going to drive their, their wages up. <coughs> All right. Well, let's get to our weekly to-do. If you're following along in your homeowner handbook, you know, January 6th today, we're talking about exterior window treatments. But our article, actually, we dive deep on exterior and interior. If you're looking specifically for heat reduction uh, or efficiency in window treatments, start on the outside by reducing the direct sunlight that that exposure that window gets. If you've got a north-facing window that doesn't get any direct sunlight, you know, there's not a reason to put a sunscreen on it. You might want a privacy screen. Uh, you might have an awning for decorative aesthetically, but there, that that direct heat. If it's not if it's not getting direct sunlight, you don't need to you know worry about you know. There's nothing you could apply to the outside that's going to increase your efficiency. But if you've got something on a west wall or a south wall that gets direct sunlight constantly uh, during the daytime the best thing you can do is you know shade that window and the farther away you can get the shade from the window the better so you know a tree would be the first thing that comes to mind something that's planted far enough but is big enough and has a wide enough canopy that that keeps your not only the window shaded but the you know a much bigger portion of your wall that's not an option. Uh, awnings are really good if you've got uh, something that can be that can keep most of the sun off of it. You know, but depending on the size and mainly the height of the window, awnings won't keep it a hundred percent protected all day where a sunscreen would. And a lot of people, when they get a sunscreen and they put it on, they're in their mind. You know, there's a rubber spool that holds the screen into the frame. And they think, well, you don't want to see that. So they put it on the inside. But that's actually puts the screen closer to the glass and almost defeats the purpose of heat reduction. You want that spool out so that there's an airspace between the screen and the glass. One quick thing, too. Sorry, one quick thing, too, about the awnings. You have to be able to put them up in the winter because if you leave them down, it actually would take your house longer to warm. So you, if you have an awning, they need to be movable. Yeah, I mean, there's a lot of beautiful stationary awnings. Yeah. Uh, but you would know that you know, in the winter time, obviously, that you're not getting that warmth. Which is a less bigger deal than yeah. trying to keep out the heat of the summer. <laughs> yeah, I think most awnings, uh, you know, the, the retractable awnings, the movable awnings, you know, that's at the end of porches and patios. I don't know that oh, I would true. That's recommend what I somebody putting that on a... On a single window. True. Uh, which totally... Uh, uh, there was one more thing on exterior. I'll, I'll think of it. But uh, you used to see a lot of films that were advertised as reflective or heat. That you would put right on the window? You would put it on the inside of the window and it would reflect heat out. And there were cool walls... Uh, was one of the product names that I remember. Recool, I think, was the, the popular one. <clears throat> what they, those still exist, uh, 
um, but there's there's a little bit of back and forth between the film industry and the manufacturing industry where the manufacturer says, you know, you're, if you're putting this reflective film on it and the heat comes through both panes of my window and now is reflecting it back out, you're doubling the amount of heat transfer that my window pane was designed for oh, wow. and it's reducing the life and seal integrity of my window. So <clears throat> if you put that on, we're not going to you're, we're going to void your warranty. Well, the film industry is like, well, that's not what it's doing, and it's not that case. In fact, we're so confident in that we'll honor any warranty that you would have that your window manufacturer would have had anyway, because it doesn't do that. But it 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 had kind of fallen off the radar, and a, a big part of that too is the amount of glazing uh, and and glass options that have come into the window manufacturing process as well. Where instead of it just being a, a clear plain glass, you've got these low E coatings that are going into the glass, and not the need for that filming isn't there. But uh, with that said, on specifically window side of things, next week, eleven to two, Dunright Window and Doors is opening their brand new showroom on uh, Thunderbird Road, just west of Tatum, north side of the road. We've got uh, all the details at RosieOnTheHouse.com in the events tab. And that pretty much covers our exterior window treatments options. I will say, one thing I would never do in designing a home in Arizona is build a home that has that that the natural shade of the structure, whether it's from a patio uh, or the layout of the home, is have those windows exposed Ooh. east or west, especially. On a second-story home. Well, we have that west exposure in our – we have a big sliding glass door, but it lays underneath a big walk-in patio. So we have the awnings on the outside of the patio. You have rolled-down awnings at the the end of the patio. And I can't tell you. You can tell the difference with one, with two. It make all those things make a difference. So – and then we're going to move into inside for just a few minutes. One thing – we've done on the inside is the plantation shutters and new West shutter and blinds rod and katie put those in for us and they are gorgeous and in talking to rod romy did you realize that they those actually add value to your home so in when they come to do an inspection or whatever those are added as value added so we have them in a couple of bedrooms and they're beautiful and you don't have to do anything else to the window you paint them have them painted to match the room and they you know you up and down them let in a little light let in a lot of light close them up they're beautiful and functional and that's your traditional shutter Mm -hmm. and will last a long time one of the interesting things he said that i was like oh that's cool shutters all have that wood vertical piece Uh in the middle that attaches them all all the blades together so when you go up they all move together all down he said they have them designed now where that's not in you know you can have the option where it's not in the middle you know, right, it can we be have on that. Right. Yeah, it's very nice. Very nice. It, it gives a little oh, more you, contemporary look. You have that where? In the bedroom. 
Cool. So it's two. It's actually two panels. It's a small panel. We have old funky. Well, they're not actually old windows, but they have uh, two pieces: one narrow side panel and a bigger glass panel. So the the shutter is designed with one small shutter side and one big shutter side, and you can open them all the way out or just adjust the louvers. Very cool. So and then there's rolling shades and cellular shades. There's just anything you can do to block the sun and the heat will go a long way for your comfort in the summertime. We have a great article on our DIYs with all these options. And the solar cells, you know, those... Uh, I'm trying cellular to... They're, they're shades, like, yeah. they're, they're a fabric, and you know, they roll up like, you know, your slot blinds do, mm-hmm. but when you roll them down, it's all connected. So it creates, you know, this fabric that have these this airspace in it. It's like a honeycomb. Yeah, that's yeah. a good yeah. comparison. They open like little cells. It's kind of pleated look, very nice and clean look. And you can put those, uh, they have different, uh, you know, fabric, so you can have it where, you know, it still lets light in, uh, or you can get them much darker for, you know, the blackout side of things. Then... Uh, what was that he put in our office? The roll-up. Those are those are uh, roller shades, and they. Um, Mary talked about different kinds of ways of opening. The old-fashioned standard is just you pull the cord, and you end up with all this cord, so you have to wrap it up. But these have a little. Um, they're cordless, so you just push a little button, and you take your hand and pull them up as far as where you want them to stop and just release. And they're just fabulous. You're not messing with the cord, and they're very clean look. And all of them come with different, you know, light densities. Mm-hmm. You know, or, percentage-wise, what amount of light gets through as compared to how much heat reduction uh, and UV blocking is it's and, providing. And Rod's caution was go to like 1% if you're going to open it up because a lot of people want to see through them. So the more you can see through them, the less effective they're going to be. So if you truly want them for heat, you should stick to 1% openness or 3 at the most. So, so all different types of window treatment options. And one that I was thinking about that we didn't cover, they – they have exterior rolling security uh, screen shutters that they do where it's a 100% block out. Uh, some homes are built in so the track is built into the home. And it's like, you know, mm. uh, it, it got very popular, but it did not last very long. And I think a big part of it is just, you know, from the outside, uh, you know, people, the, we have windows because we like light in the <laughs> home. And it's just a, you know, there was a setting where you would have a little bit of light through each of the slots that you could leave for light intrusion, but it wasn't a lot. Uh, kind of cave-like. <laughs> yeah, but uh, not a not a bad option if it is a rental home or a second home. You know, it's a very uh, you know it, the the security element of it you know, protects you protects you from any kind of window smashing job. But I think a big part of it they just forgot. Window smash-ins aren't a big part of how break-ins happen. It's it's through the doors still. Have a great week. So, if you've got questions between now and next week, R-O-S-I-E, Rosie on thehouse.com. And uh, Jim and Chandler wanted to know how to donate from Habit to the Rosie on the House Habitat for Humanity Build. Just go to habitatc.org and hit donate online.